Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Well, hello, guys. It's the first Thursday of the month, and you know what that means? We're back with another live show. Welcome, guys, to episode 65 tonight. We're so excited to have you here, and we're looking forward to it. My name is Jonathan Leung. I'm the producer, director, and editor here at Arcade Repair Tips. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you doing? Well, I'm uh, here, as in most of Texas, we're just sweating and calling it a hot summer. For, for It seems like it's early this year. Absolutely. It is very hot. We are in triple digits here today in Texas. Depending on where you are, hopefully it's more comfortable, Tim. Uh, and unfortunately, the Arcade Repair Tips World Headquarters here does not have very good AC. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a converted garage, Tim. Right. And so it does have AC vents up top, but it's usually warmer or colder than the rest of the house, depending on what's outside. So, uh, yes, we're a little warm in here tonight, but that's okay. It's not going to stop us from doing a show, and we're we're so glad that you guys are here with us tonight. Now, remember that you can interact with us during the show by leaving your comments, your questions, or suggestions in the live chat this evening. Tim, we already have three people in there. They're just kind of hanging out. We got YouTube Punk. He says, howdy, y'all. Hey. We've got Philip Carter. Says, hey, guys. Hi, Philip. And we have the real hammer, Billy Lee. And he says, hello, hello. All right. Hey, Billy. <laughs> so there you go. So we want to thank you guys for being with us tonight. And just to remind you guys, again, leave us some comments. Let us know what you think of the show. Or chime in if we ask questions, Tim, which we right. do sometimes around here. Or so. ask a question yourself. We'll try to answer it. Absolutely. So now, Tim, before we get started, how was your June? And we had an extra week. We had a, fi- a fifth right. week, which we usually don't have. It depends on the way the calendar falls. But how was your June and your Independence Day? Oh, it was really Really good. Um, we'll get into it later. I did take a trip for work, but also gave me a little um, to north of Orlando, so I got to see some Floridians down there and got to meet up with a famous one here that we'll talk about soon. Uh, so did some traveling, um, and then Fourth July was the first time I had been off in I can't remember when. You know, in the restaurant business, you're always working right. on, on the holidays, or at least. You know, like I would might get off early, but by the time I got there, maybe even time for fireworks, everybody already eating ice cream and cake. <laughs> so it was funny. This year, I had a three-day weekend, which felt strange, and I needed it after a, a long trip. So, you know, I was kind of fussing at the family because I was like, the one year that I'm going to be off and you aren't getting together, nobody's got any plans, we're not cooking, cooking out or doing anything. So they said, no, you're right, we'll all come over to your house, and we'll be there about 5 o'clock, make sure and cook some good food. So 
I spent all 4th of July cooking ribs and some stuff, but you know what? It was fun. I enjoyed it, and it was good to really get to spend some time with friends. So, um, see, Friday night we went to the fireworks show. Uh, Saturday night we were getting ready for our, our, our Sunday, and then Monday was 4th of July, and uh, we had a pretty good show in the neighborhood, so we just had a few little fireworks for the kids uh, to do, but the neighbors put on a good show, so we just camped out in the yard and watched them. I was kind of wondering how the fireworks would be because it's so dry here. You know, yes. we haven't had rain in several. We're several actually weeks. under a burn ban. Yeah, so, so nobody, everybody ignored it. I think it just yeah. fireworks. So, did y'all do anything out of the ordinary? Just got together with family, yeah. like you, and, uh, and that was on Saturday. And then Fourth of July, uh, right around the corner from where we live, they have a big parade. Right. And um, local local television broadcaster was there DJing, and then we uh-huh. walk around the block, and all the kids decorate their bikes and their power wheels and everything like that. Um, it's a it's a big deal around here every year, and we usually have a really good turnout. The fire department was there with the with the uh, fire engine. Uh, he had a couple of uh, food trucks, all that kind oh, of wow. stuff. So I mean, literally, like we walked around the corner. Well, so, uh, yeah, so we do that every year. Our neighborhood's kind of a, one of those neighborhoods, Tim, so we like it here. But anyway, we hope that you had a good 4th of July if you're here in the United States. If you're international watching this, uh, hopefully you had a great weekend, a great June, uh, whatever you celebrate as well. Okay, Tim, we have a lot of questions to get to tonight, so uh, we will get to those in time. Uh, YouTube Punk does say that the heat in South Texas has been awful, I can imagine, because you guys are usually hotter than we are. Right. And that's saying something. We're a little bit further north, obviously, uh, Tim. Not, you know, um, uh, not quite a panhandle side, but yeah. more high east side of Texas if you're looking at the state. Whereas if you're down in South Texas, then, you know, it's a little bit hotter down there. Uh, YouTube Punk says that Tim get to hang out with Billy Mitchell. You know, he lives in Hollywood, Florida, right? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. You know, I should have looked him up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't even eat any of his hot sauce while I was down there. But I did meet Paul Jure, so we'll talk about that in a little while. So Sounds good. Actually, I think I'd rather hang out with Paul anyway. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, on that note, Tim, let's go ahead and get into some questions, guys. And the first one we have is from another guy named Tim. So here okay. we go. Tim, hi, guys. I was able to catch your last live show and asked a question about vertical scrolling issue on a centipede cocktail table. The monitor is a Hitachi 370 ESB22. I know you mentioned reflowing the solder joints and the cap kit, but I had a few other quick questions. If I decided to drop in an LCD for now, what would you recommend? What cap kit should be used, and should the flyback be replaced at the same time? What vendors do you recommend to do a full monitor repair? Thank you for all that you do. I love the show and content. Sincerely, Tim. So, Tim, we got another Tim here, and he's got three questions. Now, Tim actually chimed in, I think, during the live show last month. So, uh-huh. again, Tim, if you're watching this, thanks for watching the last one, too. And he had a centipede cocktail. Sounds like he was having some vertical scrolling on. I remember on. that question, yeah. So, he wanted... There's three questions that he wants to know here, Tim. It's going to be what uh, what cap kit should be used, uh, sh- should the fly be... Ba- should the flyback be replaced at the same time? What vendors do you recommend to do a full monitor repair? And if he decides to put in an LCD, which one should he put in? So let's start with that first question first, Tim, which was actually, if he decides to put in an LCD, what LCD would you recommend? Well, you want to um, do an arcade quality L- LCD. You know? In other words, one that's made for arcade games. We've talked about this before. I wouldn't go to Walmart or anywhere like that and buy anything that's encased. You want to have one that you can... Uh, and, that, of course, Holland Computer sells one. 
that we highly recommend. We use it in our videos that you probably have watched uh, lately. And when we put their kit together, we use it in there. So by all means, I would highly recommend. That's a for the money, I would say, is probably uh, Wells Gardner sells one, which is a common one to use. Uh, a lot of vendors now, have them, but we should talk about something real quick, Tim. He gives us the tube number in the in the message, right. okay? And that was a Hitachi model. So that Hitachi yeah. model that you mentioned here, Tim, is actually a 13 inch because, of course, Tim, it's a centipede cocktail. Correct? Okay, yeah. So it's a centipede cocktail. It's actually a 13 inch centipede cocktail. So if you're going with an LCD, um, Holland Computers has a 17 inch LCD. Right. That may fit in there. It, yeah, you might have to do a little routing or something to get it in there it'll actually look really good when you get it in there but you're right uh, it is a 13 inch that he currently has right and so what i would being though it is going to take some finagling to get it to set in there right because you have a 13 inch monitor and i haven't seen i think maybe somebody sells a 13 inch lcd but it's not what we're talking about it's right. not the rk quality one that's open case and stuff where it's not going to overheat now, and stuff. Now, something to keep in mind, though, Tim, is that a 13-inch CRT is usually bigger than the actual 13 inches. And so you right. may be able to get the 17-inch LCD in there just based on dimensions, okay? Yes. Because usually the CRTs are slightly bigger than what their LCD cousins, if you will, are. And so right. you may be able to, you may check that measurements on that 17 from Holland and see if it would fit in your cabinet without too much modification, because if you could, that'd probably be the best way to go. That's a relatively inexpensive LCD monitor, Tim, and with the mounting brackets, it makes it really easy to work on. Now, with that said, we have this 13-inch Electro Home Geo 7, Tim, based on his tube model that we're guessing is in his centipede now. So, as far as the cap kit goes, if he does the cap kit, should he do the flyback at the same time? Well, it, I, normally we don't because right. if it, if we do the cap kit because of the price difference, sure. If we can fix it for under twenty dollars and it'll look great and it'll last for a long time, then we're going to do that. But if he's having issues, then yeah, I wouldn't do it just because. Right. So if you're getting good high voltage and it seems like the picture is there, it's just not holding or it's out of sync, mm -hmm. then it's probably not a flyback issue. Probably means your flyback is working good right now. But like Tim mentioned, it, if you just really feel like since you already have it out, you want to go that route, you definitely can. But typically in the high voltage line, we're not going to replace parts unless it's necessary, right? Right. And obviously that he's he's probably a, a newer at this at repairing stuff. So repairing replacing flybacks a lot tougher than doing. It's not impossible. It's not super tough. It's a lot tougher than doing a cap kit. So I would start there by all means. Or I would send it. He asked to somebody who could repair it. I would send it to somebody like Paul that can do that does it all the time. For right, a and I and I put Paul's link down below. Paul'smonders.com. That's Paul Jure. We've interviewed him on the uh, interviews podcast. Tim. We've also talked to him quite a bit. He knows what he's doing, especially with this model of chassis, this Electro Home Geo Seven. So if you want to send it off for repair, we de definitely recommend Paul, and that's at Paul's Monitors. Com. Tim, any other thoughts on Tim's question here before we move on? No, like I said, I would definitely do some measuring. Um, check it out. Check out, you know, because we don't, I've worked on plenty of centipede cocktails, but we don't even have one at current. Um, it's definitely going to take a little bit of modification. So you can look at those monitors and it'll show you on the back. They have a, a back plate on them sometimes that, you know, you've got to have enough room, but most of the time it will lay flat. So you might have to route a little bit, 
but I think it would look great in there. I think uh, I think it would look good in that game, but it's going to be a pretty tight fit. Right. And again, if you want to go the cap kit route, what you're looking for is a cap kit for an Electro Home G07 13-inch model, which you should be able to get from our cap kit vendors, guys like uh, Arcade Parts and Repair, uh, Syracuse Semiconductor, Arcade Shop should have that cap kit in stock, right, Tim? Sure. So any of those. Just so if you're looking for the cap kit, Electro Home G07 13-inch model specifically. So... Okay, well, I think that'll answer all the questions, Tim. And uh, before we move on, though, you got to meet Paul in I person. Did. In person. Okay, so I've, I've talked to him obviously on the podcast and things, but right. I have not met him in person. So tell us how your your meetup with Paul Jure went when you were in Florida. Well, it was really cool because um, he lives uh, in, near Orlando, and I was uh, on the other side, but he was doing some work over there. So we met and uh, we had dinner. And just got to talk about games and just a kind of small talk, whatever. It was just a good time. And Paul's a really nice guy. Uh, got to pick his brain a little bit about, you know, how he got into everything. And we just uh, visited uh, for a pretty good time there. And so uh, thank you, Paul. If you're not watching now, I know that you'll probably listen later. Uh, for just meeting up with me, I, it's always one of the best things in this hobby I actually met a couple people while I was gone. Uh, we'll talk about that more later. But, you know, it was anytime you meet, uh, it's always great. And so if you guys are ever in the East Texas area, even Dallas or something, let us know. We would love to meet you. Or I, that's one purposely uh, posted about my travels. And it looks like with my new job, I probably will travel about um, one every few weeks. So I uh, went to New York already this year, been to El Paso, went to Orlando. So I'll probably do some more traveling. So hopefully we'll post. If we're ever, if I'm ever coming in your area, would love to meet you, uh, maybe hang out at Arcade or something. And anyway, it was very, very good. Sounds good. Well, I'm glad you got to meet him in person. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of jealous because I hope to meet him in person yeah. one day too. Well, he's uh, a great person to just sit down and talk to and and uh, just a all around great guy. So and and he does great work and it's super reasonable guy. So can't say enough about recommending him if you need monitor repair. Sounds good. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got to do that, Tim. Again, and mm-hmm. I, I got to do the interviews podcast with him. He couldn't have been nicer about that. And if you want to go back and listen to that, you can go to our podcast feed, look up uh, interviews podcast episode one. I need to get back to doing that, but. Uh, Tim, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, I'm recovering from COVID. I had COVID yeah, about uh, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago now. <laughs> and so my voice is not quite back to where it was. I'm still a little bit little coughing and a little bit of stuff in my throat and things. But I feel 100% better than I did. I'm glad that I'm kind of past that. But if I my voice gives out earlier than usual, <laughs> Tim, you'll know why. So there you go. Uh, before we move on, Tim, I've got, let's say, Andre Lopez here. He says, hello, found your channel recently, and I was wondering what tips you would give to someone who's buying an arcade game for the first time. Okay. You know, um, well, for one thing, don't don't be too picky on your first game. It's hard to get. You probably have a game in mind that would be your grail. Don't go for it. You'll spend too much money. <laughs> uh, try, um, try looking around. Um, a lot of those operators still have games. If there's an auction near you, um, then, you know, go to an auction. Uh, we, we, we post periodically. You'll post some different auctions coming up. Um, 
join Facebook groups that are local in your area and tell people you would like to find one. You'd be surprised how many times um, we picked up a game just by letting people know that we collect them. Even, oh, well, my grandma has one or my aunt has one or something. Or I used to, we used to have one in the barn somewhere. We have, you know, just be, be open to what you can get because you can always take that game then you can take whatever it is. If you so, like I said, don't be picky on your first one. Get what you can get. There are not just a ton of them out there these days. Do some work on it, clean it up, fix it up. Then you can trade up and trade it for something that you really like. So somebody really wants that game, even if it's not the game you really want. And it, really, good luck with those with finding your first game. Um, let us know where you're from. We might even can help there a little bit more. Uh, let us know where where you're coming from. Somebody, even the group here, even our page, we have a lot of listeners. We have a lot of people all over the country. Um, maybe, and like I said, I don't know your financial situation, but I know pretty much everybody right now is facing some kind of inflationary hikes. And, you know, we're, we're always talking about it, John. But, you know, get creative. A lot of people um, may have a game that they, maybe whatever's your skills. You know, maybe you're a painter or maybe you do something uh, that you could trade or do something like that. And I, I think those kind of guys uh, always are fun to deal with and have fun with. But uh, by all means, we'll help in any way that we can. Just main thing is putting the word out there. Let people know that you would like to find one. Um, eBay or something like that is probably not your best bet. You're probably going to overpay. Um, even... You know, you don't see them much on Craigslist, stuff like that. Facebook Marketplace, you we will pull up some here and there. So be on the lookout in your area. Or maybe even post in the Marketplace that you would be interested. You never own one. Throw a budget out there. I don't want to spend more than this. But maybe you know, you'd be surprised at the answers that you get. So he, ch- he chimes back here and he says, I'm from Europe and it's tough to find a cab I was looking for, but I got a good deal to, uh, on, uh, I got a good deal going to buy a Sega Blast City and that's a candy cab, Tim, for yeah. people who don't know. And okay. so, uh, candy cabs are great because a lot of times you can switch out the games fairly easily. Typically they're wired JAMA so that way you can, you know, swap in jam- and out JAMA boards as you need to. And so with a cabinet like that, you have a lot of versatility. And so that that's a really great first cabinet to have have because it means you can you know whatever it comes with is great, but you can also get other jamma boards that you could play in it as well, right, Sam? Correct. And so, and we have a video on swapping jamma boards in an arcade cabinet uh, that you can watch on that process. And uh, there may be kick harness differences that you may have to wire up some different uh, style kick harnesses in order to get games to play perfectly and things. But having a candy cab for your first cabinet is a really great place to start. For yeah, sure. and we do have a big audience in Europe. We we actually have a lot of people. In fact, they'll chime in if they're from there, here, or they watch the show. So stay tuned. Just keep watching us. There'll be a deal coming up in, you know, I think it is a little bit tougher sometimes in Europe, but you had operators all over Europe. So find out who those operators were back in the day, and sometimes you can get some good deals. Yeah. I don't know what's up with the flashing. I noticed we're getting some flashing on the screen, guys, with the webcam. I don't know if that's a setting or something or if we've been having that. But... I'll look at it after the show. Hopefully, it won't be too distracting. If it becomes distracting, we we'll uh, we can reset or something. But uh, I start, I apologize for that. We'll figure that out too. I was hoping that it was lightning and fixing the rain. Oh, there you <laughs> go. No such luck. He says exactly. Jamma uh, Neo Geo MVS and Naomi Two in the future, but 
uh, Neo Geo MVS motherboard will be installed already. Which again, very versatile. Lots yep. of games you can play with the Neo Geo MVS system for sure. So. Okay, Tim, let us move on to the next question on our outline, and that is from Lexi. Okay. And Lexi says, I only hear a click when I try to power up my cocktail arcade cat, uh, table. I would usually see it initializing on the monitor after the click, but it is not anymore. Do I have a power problem, a monitor problem, or a problem with the motherboard? I am trying uh, to research on your website, but I don't know where mm-hmm. to start. Thank you, Lexi. Now, Tim, uh, whenever somebody says, I don't know where to start... We have a saying for that. That's right, exactly. So what is the saying for that? We use the ASAP approach, which means always start at power. And so uh, that's the very first thing I would check would be your power supply. Actually, I would start at the plug in the wall all the way to that power supply to make sure that it's actually getting power to it and then it's power going through it. So... More than likely, you know, it's hard when you just say it's just a click, and it used to say initializing, but now it doesn't say anything. That really is kind of, um, it does make me think it's probably the power supply. Like, it wasn't even putting out enough power. Now it's not even getting out that much. Sounds like power supply is dying on you. Um, but it could be, could be a lot of things. It could be any of those things that you said. Now, most of the time, when it's, play, when it's the monitor... And everything else is fine. You'll still, we call it playing blind. You'll hear it. You'll hear the game. You'll be able to literally play it blind without seeing anything. So that's a good way to, do do you hear sounds? Do you coin it up? Uh, do you actually hear and, and stuff? Then it probably is your monitor. If you don't hear any of that, then it, like I said, we're going to start at power. We're going to look at that power supply. And see what's going on there. But once we determine whether power supply is good, kind of will lead us to the next step. And if you'll watch our video, um, I know you said you've been researching. We talk about that in uh, our, one of our most popular videos is a, called Troubleshooting Games or Playing Blind. But it also walks you through a lot of other stuff that it could be. And literally, if anything was wrong with that game, we show it, right? It one of those. Well, for the, for the, playing for the blind monitor, issue, right. Yes. And so... Anyway, but but feel free to reach out to us again once you determine if your power supply is good, if you need additional help. Sounds good, Tim. So I'll go ahead and throw this up here, the outline scene. Uh, based on your description, it's hard to exactly tell where the problem is located. As such, we are not we're going to treat your your game like it's not working at all, right, Tim? Right. And so we recommend starting at the wall plug and power supply, just like Tim mentioned, to make sure that the game is getting good voltage. You will need a multimeter to, uh, to in order to accomplish this process. We also recommend checking the power going to the monitor as well. See our post on checking and replacing a power supply and checking a classic power supply for more information. Tim, I have those linked down below. Now, if you're getting good power to your board and your board seems to be working properly, you should get a playing blind type scenario like Tim was talking about. And so at that point, you can try starting or coining up the game to see if you can hear it. If you hear it, then we know it's probably a monitor issue at that point. If you don't hear it, we may have a board issue once we've seen that power is good. So that's kind of where we're going to go. We're going to start the power, and then from there, we're going to be able to tell whether it's a monitor or a board issue. Right, Tim? Correct. So there you go. So Lexi, hopefully answers your question. And good luck getting your cocktail table back up and running. And the way she said initializing, Tim, it makes me think it's probably a 61 board. Mm-hmm. Very common on these guys. So That's what I thought. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now we got a couple of uh, 
uh, questions in the live chat. Uh, Cold Flesh and Fang says, I just got a cabinet that has a CRT with CGA and VGA inputs, but when I put when I put a JAMA board, it brings a message that says it's out of range. Why could this be? Um, so typically if it says out of range, um, it could be that you don't have the right sync um, set on the monitor. It sounds like right. your monitor is a tri-sync. Right. So that's a CGA, EGA, VGA, right? So the problem with some of these is that they have a switch on them as well that you mm-hmm. have to flip. Or sometimes, Tim, we've seen to where you actually have to swap yoke wires to a different to like a different uh, place on the board. We've seen a couple of different variations on how to change the frequencies between the monitor settings. So it may be that your monitor is not set to whatever frequency it needs to be for the board to operate. Or it could be that your vice versa, your board may not be set to the right frequency for the monitor. Right. And so, like Blitz, for instance, Tim has a medium res and a standard res setting on the board. And yeah, so, did you say what game it was? He does not. Okay, let um, us know what game it is. That might help. The monitor as well. If you know the monitor um, make and model, that would be very helpful because then we could tell you if it does have a frequency setting. Because not all tri-sync monitors auto-sync. So right. Some of them you actually manually have to tell it which sync you want to use if that's standard, medium, or VGA. So, again, just see, just make sure that the board frequency output is matching what the monitor is expecting. So, again, if it's putting out 15 kilohertz, make sure the monitor is, is uh, hooked up with the RGB wires, Tim, instead of the VGA. If it's hooked up to the VGA, make sure that you're putting out 31 kilohertz on your JAMA board. So, if that makes Correct. sense. So, um, let's see. He also says, Tim, that he recently bought a Sega Jurassic World, but the monitor is green screen. When I turn it on, you can barely see the Sega logo. What could be the cause? So, green. If it's is it solid green? Are we getting just a solid green screen with like a burned Sega logo image, or are we actually getting Characters, like moving yeah. a moving image, but with just a lot of green on the screen, right, Tim? Exactly. So is tell it, us the difference between those. All right, is the game actually playing? You know, but green. So if that's the case, and we got a problem with the monitor, probably the drive or something, could even be a bad too. But that would be more rare if it's. Uh, just a straight green screen, then you got a power issue or a board issue. Agreed. So that's kind of what we need to know on the, the Jurassic uh, on the Jurassic game. There, uh, just let us know what it is on that as well, and we'll get to that. Um, let's see. I think that's everything. Um, oh, he said, okay, it's Tekken three on Tekken three on the uh, monitor issue. Tekken three is weird. Um, and I'm going to have to look it up here in a second. I might look it up uh, during the break between the after show and the live show. But um, I believe it does have a VGA port on it. But I think there is a um, I think there is a setting on the board that you'll have to change in order to output VGA. Tim, something a lot of people don't know is that like you can plug up a game VGA and it may still not put out VGA, which is weird. We've seen this with mm-hmm. some some uh, some games, which is kind of strange. Um, it seems like Tekken 3 has something strange about its VGA port, though, offhand, and I can't remember what that is. Here's what yeah. you should do. Google Consult that. the manual. Right. <laughs> the manual for Tekken 3 has the information that you're looking for on that, and so what I would do is definitely consult the ma- manual and make sure that you've got it set the way that it says in the manual. So it should have, um, it should tell you how to output the different frequencies, where to hook it up, and all that good stuff. I cannot remember offhand, Tim, with those uh, Namco system boards like that, the PlayStation-style system boards, but... Um, Check the manual on that. There's something in there that'll help you out for sure. Uh, let's see. And I think that's. I think that's. Are we caught up? Okay. I think so. Uh, Andre. Uh, Andre also chimed in a couple of times on those as well. So thank you for that, Andre. Okay. And yeah, it it really just depends. The main thing is that we want the board 
output to sync up with the monitor output. It doesn't right. matter what the... I mean, if you have a tri-sync monitor and a multi-sync arcade board, you want the two to match. And so, you know, if you can't... If you've got it hooked up with VGA, make sure that the board is outputting VGA and that the monitor is expecting VGA. Or standard res, standard res, medium res, medium res, same kind of thing. Make sure we've got the matching syncs between them. Correct. So. And we'll come back to you guys if y'all have some more questions on that. Right, exactly. So... Sounds good. Any other information you can give us, of course, will help us more. So, Okay, Tim, let us move on to the next question on the outline. This one's from John. And John says, I have a Midway Miss Pac-Man that I picked up as part of a trade. I'm a pinball guy. The game is not original and has been upgraded to a 3-in-1 Miss Pac-Man Donkey Kong Galaga. Now, Tim, um, for those people who are watching are like, why is it a 3-in-1? There was a time, Tim, where like if you wanted a multi-game board, you had to order the games that you wanted, and then somebody mm-hmm. would ship you the board. So this is an older, basically an older version of the 16. Right. The original board is gone. There's also a JAMA connector board. I would like to upgrade to a 60-in-1, but I have a couple of questions. Can the existing board be upgraded by adding new game rooms? I assume mm-hmm. I will need to upgrade uh, to upgrade... I will need upgraded two-button controllers. Who do you recommend for 60-in-1 board slash supplier? Thanks for any help. John. So, Tim, here's the deal. We have a Miss Pac-Man, and it sounds like it must have already been converted to JAMA. Right. Because the three-in-one boards, as we know, are JAMA. In fact, he says that. There's also a JAMA connector board. So mm-hmm. we know that this thing has a JAMA, uh, a JAMA harness in it, or at least some a JAMA connector of some sort. So first off, Tim, can he upgrade that existing three-in-one board to add more games to it? Um, more than likely not. There was a programmable board sold at one time. We had one. Uh, but he, even it they're had still, more. They're still made. Um, who sold arcade, arcade shop? Shops. Sold them at one time, but they were also they're available from several vendors now. They're still available. I can't think of the name of them. At the but time. even it came with more games than that to begin with. So I think right. that this is probably a like you said the really early version, of what we call sixty and one now. And so I don't think so. I don't, I don't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be financially worth the time to do it. Especially anyway, as cheap as right. sixty and one boards are. Right now, Tim, is there anybody that we really, as far as sixty and one vendors go? I mean, is there anybody that you really recommend for those anymore? Well, we like um, our arcade. Was it arcade paradise? Um, well, paradise arcade show. Gator K. Now, here's the deal, though. A lot of these vendors, Tim, unfortunately, are some of them still have multi cade boards, but a lot of them have gotten away from them. What, what we usually recommend now is just saying Amazon or eBay and make yeah. sure that you can you buy it from somebody you can return it to. Correct. These are the cheapest boards in the world. They're manufactured in a cheap way. And so if you get a bad board, you want to make sure that you can return it to the source and get it taken care of. So Amazon's a great place for that. And, Tim, they go pretty cheap on Amazon, especially if you're a Prime member. So below we have links for the eBay and the um, and the Amazon 61 boards where you can buy them. So if you want to buy one from there, that's fine. Again, just make sure you pick a vendor that you can return to easily. Correct. Now, um, what else was... Oh, he says, does he need the upgraded two-button controllers? Does he need... So he has... It sounds like he's got a single joystick, single button. Yeah, you're going to need an extra button to play certain games. You don't necessarily have to have three because there's a couple games that use them, but unless you're a huge Gunsmoke fan or something, I wouldn't worry about that as much unless you have that kind of room. Um, there is a couple three-button games. Most of them are two-buttons, though, and there's a lot of two-button games. So you know, you say that, though, but that. I can't think of too many two-button games. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think you can get away with the one button. The only games I can think of offhand on the 60-in-1 would be Kicks. 
Right. Because okay, we know that Kix has a fast and a slow draw. And then Super Cobra. Right. But you could play Super Cobra without the bomb. It just makes it a lot harder. Right. Um, and Gunsmoke is a three-button game, Tim, but we know that there's a hack to make it to where you can shoot all three directions at once with one button. Okay. There's not a hack. It's a dip switch setting in the board. So okay. So you could change that. So if you didn't want to do the two-button upgrade, you could just disable kick Super Cobra and set the one-button dip switch on You on could also Commander. wire, if you have your player start buttons over there, you could wire something up to them and use one of them if Correct. you just didn't want to do that. Some of the Jamma Harness um, conversion kits for Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man cabinets actually map button one and button two to start button one and start button two. And mm-hmm. so if you have something like that, you could do that, and then that way you're not having to drill into the cabinet anymore. So that's also an option for you. Uh, Tim, anything else on this question for John before we move on? I don't think so. Okay, let me go ahead and put the uh, slide up then, and we'll kind of summarize what we just said. Unfortunately, we don't think it's possible to add more games to the 3-in-1 board that you currently have plugged into your cabinet. With that said, you should be able to easily replace the 3-in-1 board with a new 16-in-1 board since your cabinet has the JAMA harness installed. You can get these from Amazon, eBay, or other online retailers. Be sure to order from someone who has a good return policy, because like we said, these boards, they tend to arrive DOA a lot, so... Um, so just keep that in mind. On the controls, vast majority of the games on 61 can be played with one button or less. Now, again, some of the exceptions that we know offhand are Kicks and Super Cobra and Gunsmoke, but you could disable those two and then set Gunsmoke to the one button setting, and then you could probably play the vast majority of the games that way. Uh, 61 boards, Tim, go for $50 or less right now. So, yeah. I mean, there's really not a lot of benefit to trying to do the research of upgrading your 3-in-1. Just do the 16-in-1. If you want to do the button um, workaround, you could just wire up the button 1, button 2, player 1, button 1, button 2, to player 1 start and player 2 start, and that would work as well. So, sure. um, there you go. So, John, hopefully it answers your question, and good luck upgrading your Miss Pac-Man Jamma 3-in-1 game to a 16-in-1 mm-hmm. game. Or 58 and 1 if you disable those others. Right. So, okay, um, before we go on here, Tim, let's see. Cold Fangs and Flesh comes back. Um, it does, let's see. He says it does it with any JAMA board he uses. He tried, uh, so this is on the monitor the issue. The monitor issue with okay. the sink. Um, he tried it with Street Fight Smart and Twin Cobra as well. The Sega is a light green screen with a few lines. So, um, so when you're saying it does, so this is on the green screen issue. Okay. Tim. So it does. You're still just getting a solid green screen. Can you see the game playing at all? So it says no. I can hear sound though. Okay. So it does. At this point, it sounds either like a monitor wiring issue mm-hmm. or a monitor issue itself. So what we we'd probably start with this, Tim, is make sure that the input wires from the JAMA harness to the monitor are connected properly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So make sure that's all connected. Um, it sounds like. It could be a blowout as well on your green gun, like you're getting an overabundance of green on the screen for some reason. So you want to check all of the all of the color transistors and and um, and uh, things that are in everything that's in and around the yoke bars and the color uh, areas, especially on the neck board there, to make sure all of those parts are working properly. Tim, um, anything else that you have here for well, things in place? You know, kind of curious. Has he tried to adjust it and see what? Um if it will adjust out or if it's just a green drive that's turned up really high. Right, exactly. Could be that. It could be that all the rest of your cars are turned down. They turned the green drive up and the green cutoff up just too high. 
could just need to be adjusted. But a lot of times, um, you could also try the tube check, which we talked in our video on checking a monitor tube, Tim. So we have some great steps in that as far as troubleshooting color issues. So check out our video on checking a monitor tube for the green screen issue. That will help you a lot. Now, he's like, on the out of range, he says he hears a sound from the boards. He put it on. The monitor is a Thompson... Um, where would the switch on the CRT be located? So, not sure about Thompson. Um, that sounds like a tube there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what we're looking for is the make model of the modern chassis. Mm -hmm. So, that'd be like Wells Garner or Electro Home or, um, or Cortec or something like that. Sharp Image would be like the, that would be the make and then the model from there. If you don't know what make and model your chassis is. Send us a picture. Yeah, you can send us a picture. You can go to the What's My Monitor page on Bob Roberts' site and compare the, that, the picture of yours to the picture of all the rest of them he has there. Mm -hmm. um, that's another way to do it. And so we want the make and model of the chassis, though, not the tube. And so uh, it's not always clearly printed on the chassis. A lot of times you're going to have to compare with some pictures to see what you've got. So, so you would go to the therealbobroberts.net. Slash monitor.html. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that just because we go there quite a bit. Um, Arcade Parts and Repair also has a page like that, Tim, where mm -hmm. they have multiple pictures of chassis. There's a lot of other places that have those pictures. But basically what you want to do is compare the chassis that's in your mo your cabinet now to the chassis of the of the, of the uh, pictures on those pages and then see which one matches but yours. But for the record, it's usually right in the middle or right near the edge yes, somewhere. Yes, the, 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 the same. Yeah, are you talking about or the... Or switch where yes. you would switch it over and it'll look like a... Um, what, like a toggle kind of switch? Not a toggle, but what are those called where you push them over? A little black switch where it kind of right. goes different. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little black switch that you can move between Sideways, the things. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like I said, though, it's a yoke move. We've yeah. had to do that before where the yoke wires actually plug into a different spot on the monitor. Mm -hmm. And so just look for all over your monitor chassis for something that says tri-sync or sync or something, it may say 15 kilohertz, 25 kilohertz, 31 yeah. kilohertz. It may be a jumper wire. Uh, we've seen a lot of different setups with that. So, um, but again, if you know the chassis make and model, then we can, we can help you a little bit further with that. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh, he says it's a Wells Garner. Okay. So it's a Wells Garner Tri-Sync. I'm thinking maybe oh, a D9200. Probably. So that's probably the most common one. Um, there were some newer ones of that, of course. So, um, you know, uh, if you know it's Wells Garner, though, See if you can get the, mo the manual. The manual will be easy to find. Yeah, exactly. You can find the manual for it once you because Wells Garner still has all that information on their website. So, still in business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you find if you if you know the model, you can look up the model and uh, the manual for it. And once you find the manual, it'll tell you where the tri sync mm -hmm. or where the sync switch is. Sure so. will. Okay, and um, YouTube Punk says that rocker switch, kind of like a rocker yeah, switch. That was probably a good, better way to say it. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, Tim, let us move on through the outline, and this next question is from Gary, and he says, I'm having a horizontal issue with my Nintendo Punch-Out arcade game. Any mm -hmm. idea what might cause this? And this is all he sent, Tim, but you can see the top screen looks good, mm -hmm. but the bottom screen is significantly shifted to the left, I would say. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? So basically, the top screen is nice and lined up, but it looks like the bottom screen is over here, over to the left. Yeah, it just kind of looks like it's off-centered yes. in a and way. Yes, that's exactly and so. right. That's exactly what it is, is off-centered. So what does Gary need to do in order to fix this issue? Well, Tim? if you can find the horizontal pot, he may just be able to adjust it out, or yes. it may be a jumper wire or something that moves depending on what kind of monitor Horizontal centering. Now, yeah, on the, on the Sanyo monitor, Tim, I'm pretty sure there is a horizontal centering pot. Yes. Okay, that you can turn that'll give you that um is there anything else he can do though tim um it could be a cap 
but I doubt it. It's probably the way it looks really shifted. It should probably be in the middle right yeah. there. Now, something that's unique to Nintendo games, Tim, that we should mention here is that sometimes there are two pots on the board itself yes. that will help you with the centering. And those two pots are VR1 and VR2. Now, not all Nintendo games have this, but it's very common on Donkey Kong and on earlier punch-out boards. Mm-hmm. And so if you have an earlier punch-out board, you may have this VR1, VR2 board. It can control the center or the centering position of the screen. So turning VR1 clockwise typically will move the picture up and down. Mm-hmm. And then VR2 will move it left or right, just mm-hmm. depending. So um, if you don't get any movement when adjusting those pots, you may need to check them with a multimeter to make sure they're working. Same thing goes to the horizontal center- centering pot as well. Because like when a pot dies, Tim, sometimes it just maxes out or mins out, right? Right. And so that can Either cause or. exactly so that can cause it to or if there's a um a desoldered um leg. Leg. Okay. Okay, if there's a desoldered leg, sometimes it'll max or min it, and so that's what causes it. So you may just touch up the pots on the hor- or touch up the solder on the horizontal centering pot, and then see if it makes a difference. And then check for VR1 and VR2 on your main board, and that should do it. Tim, anything else? No, that was a really good job. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I I've just seen that before, yeah. Tim. So I was like, okay, th- I remember that. We need to put that in there. So mm-hmm. it looks like the bottom monitor on your punch out is off center. Try adjusting the horizontal centering pot on the monitor chassis. See if it makes a difference. Most Nintendo games, older style ones, have two pots on the game board, VR1, VR2, that control the position of the screen. Turning VR1 clockwise should move the the picture up and down. Turning VR2 clockwise should move it left to right. If you don't get any movement when adjusting these pots, you might try checking them with a multimeter and replace them if needed. Tim, I wouldn't always go as far as replace. You may just need to um, touch up the solder. You know, because right. if one of those legs, like I said, if it comes loose from the board, it's no longer making a good solder connection, then that can cause it to either max or min, depending on on what the board is doing. So, but I think between all of that, hopefully Gary can get his punch out back to being center and uh, just gives an update, Gary, and let us know how it goes from there. So, okay, let's see. We have Andre here. I would like to check the Toshiba chassis for the uh, Nanano MS. Uh, 2930 monitor since it's burned and the seller is going to repair it. That's what I was told at least. I'd like to check the Toshiba chassis. For, actually, the chassis you have is a Nano MS2930, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you can, if you want to check the tube, I don't know, you're saying check the, the, the Toshiba chassis. If you want to check the tube, we have a video on checking a monitor tube that you may want to check out, which I just mentioned earlier on Cold Flings and, Fe- and Flesh's question. Um, so, and, oh, this is what he's asking. So, yes, so checking a monitor tube. So, just do a Google, Google search for checking a monitor tube arcade and you will probably find the video and post for that, that we have. That would allow you to check the tube if it, if it is a tube issue or if it's a chassis issue. Typically, Tim, tube issues would be, um, too, like you have too less, too, like not enough of a color, too much of a color, right. um, really dim screen, really bright screen, stuff like that. Um, if those things can also be handled on the monitor chassis, so like if all of the, <clears throat> if your brightness is turned up really well, and then you've got your, um, your color, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Uh, transistors and everything is working on the chassis, then at that point you can assume it, it, start to assume it's a tube. And Tim, you could also, if you have a short in a gun, which is very, very common with older tubes, you can do a tube rejuvenation, right Mm -hmm. Tim? Yeah. So, and that will help, that will give you a little bit more life in your tube, but you gotta remember if you're getting to the point of rejuvenation, your tube is probably getting ready to go. So, something to keep (laughs) in mind. So, but, uh, 
<clears throat> oh, uh, he said, he said the, um, he wants to know the monitor one, I think. So, therealbobroberts.net slash monitor.html. Yeah. Therealbobroberts.net slash monitor.html. That will give you pictures of all the monitor chassis. So I'm pretty sure he has that Nano chassis that you mentioned. And so if you just want to make sure that that chassis is the chassis that is actually in your game, you should be able to compare the pictures that way. You can also just Google, what's my monitor, Bob Roberts, and you're going to get there. There you go. So, <clears throat> Okay, Tim, let us move in our outline to Joseph. Joseph says, hey guys, on our route we decided we're going to repair all the games that have broken off bottom corners. They are all wood and mostly particle board. It's the side corners where the T-molding would curve underneath the game. Do you guys have any suggestions? Now, Tim, this seems like something that operators are struggling with all the time. <laughs> well, most um, of them don't care. They just leave them exactly. damaged and looking like that. So right. I'm glad somebody cares enough to want to fix them. Absolutely. So, um, yes, yeah, so that is the thing. We have had this problem a lot because mm-hmm. as operators move games, guess what happens, Tim? Corners well, break. Very You're talking awful. about particle board or, or um, sometimes it's... Uh, uh, plywood. I mean, sometimes it's plywood, but a lot of times it's particle board. And Tim, it just like you know, if you take a if you take a curb at just the wrong angle, you just break that sucker right off. It just happens all the time. So, Tim, I thought this question was right up your alley. I know okay. you love your cabinetry and everything. So, what would you recommend for Joseph here for repairing all these bottom corners? Now, keep in mind there is T molding here that he probably yes. wants to install. So. Right. So, what we're going to do first is you need to buy what's called corner protectors, half controls. A lot of people, a lot of our parts suppliers sell them. Look, Google or search for corner protectors. And it's just a metal plate that will go along the corner. I have and a picture we'll show you in Some of it, literally, you could just cover up with that and it would look just fine. But you're probably like me and you just covering it up is not good enough. So what you want to do is get some Mondo and uh, put it on, you know, do a little Bondo work. We've got several videos on that. And you'll leave the Bondo, while it's kind of wet, you can put that cabinet protector to kind of make a good outline of it. And then you can take it off, wash your cabinet protector or whatever, but it should be real smooth looking and everything, even after you sand it and stuff. Let it dry, get real good and dry, and then you can put that protector right over it. But those corner protectors really, um, and I think they just dress up a game. They just make them look good. And it can go right over that T-molding. Uh, it it kind of will help hold it in if it's come loose. Uh, so it kind of solves a couple problems. Absolutely. So I'll go ahead and put up what, basically what you described. Now this is what the corner protector looks like. Uh-huh. Uh, we have it over here to the side. And when you buy it, this one is from Twisted Quarter, Tim, and okay. I'm pretty sure it's the half controls one like we're talking about. But, um, this is what you'll, this is what we're talking about when we say corner protector. So mm-hmm. first off, make sure you purchase a pair of corner protectors for each cabinet that you plan to repair. These will come in handy both in the repair process and for protection. And Tim, I have a link here. It's also down below from Twisted Quarter. These run you six bucks plus shipping. Okay. Twelve bucks for a pair. Okay, so I mean, not a bad price. Plus, you'll pay some shipping on that. If you order a whole bunch of them, though, your shipping won't be that that bad. So we like to use Bondo on these type of repairs. Once you have applied the Bondo to the corner, you can use the corner protector while the Bondo is still wet, like Tim mentioned, uh, to shape the Bondo. Make sure that you wipe the corner protector clean after using it with the Bondo. You don't want the bar- Bondo to harden on the corner protector. Right. Okay, so make sure you clean it real good. Let the Bondo harden and then sand and paint it. Once the Bondo has set, install the corner protector. And then you should be in good shape. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, that's basically should get you back to new, right? Is there any other tips or anything, Tim, yeah, that you just, want to share, though, beyond that? Just a lot of times those screws will will um, warp and stuff. So what you want to do is drill a tiny pilot hole in those holes because even that Bondo will get really hard. And even the hard wood, they don't come with the best screws sometimes. So I would just drill a tiny pilot hole and then put your screw in there, and it'll it'll be a lot better. Easier so yeah, sometimes in. we'll just use longer screws as long as we can get away with with the depth of the cabinet. Yeah, uh, just to make sure. And then sometimes what we'll do is we'll try to find where the corner lines up with the um, with the with, with like the. Um, perpendicular side of the cabinet mm-hmm. so we can screw we'll drill a hole through that corner protector to where it goes all the way through that piece of wood and the perpendicular piece of wood and that way we can put the screw all the way through both yeah and that way it's not coming out right and so and if you have a black screw head which is what we usually use can't see it on the corner protector it doesn't matter if it's not in the hole it's supposed to be in so right anything else then no that's it Sounds good. So, Joseph, good luck with all the cabinets you have to do corner repairs on. We sympathize with you. We've had to do it a lot. So it's just one of those things that, you know, people do. Some people, Tim, talk about um, wood biscuits. And I'm not used biscuits much. But, you know, like, basically, I guess, putting the biscuits in there and then mm-hmm. reshaping the corner or attaching, like, a different piece of wood corner Yeah, or and if the if it's really bad or gone, that's probably something that you need to do. And we have had to do that. Just literally uh, put a whole new bottom on there with a new corner and then we just filled it in, but we still um, painted, sanded it, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it come out okay. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so Joseph hopefully answers your question, and good luck with all of your corner repairs. So, so much fun. Okay, let me check the live chat here, Tim. Um, YouTube Punk, I had an idea to make rubber trays that perfectly fit cabs that are about four inches deep so that if your basement floods, it doesn't damage the bottom of the cab. There you go, Tim. Not a bad Not idea. A bad idea. Um, you know, if you're in a basement, I guess that's, a, that's an issue. Um, you know, here we don't have basements so much, but for those people who have basements, I think that's a great idea because it seems like there's always a lot of flooding in basements. Right. So, uh, let's see. Um, let's see. You two. Oh, <laughs> okay. I think we're good. Are okay. we caught up? Okay. I think we're caught up. Let's go to, oh, let's go to some quick questions and answers. Okay. Let's okay. Go. So this is our rapid fire section of the show, guys, where I where we throw three questions really quickly at Tim here, and then Tim tries to answer them in a rapid fire su- succession. And these are usually for for um, for questions that aren't as long explanation wise, Tim, and so we kind of save some of the shorter questions for this section. Um, but let's go ahead and get to those real quick. I'll read them off, and then Tim will answer them. So here we go. First question, Tim, is from Tammy, and she says, My Gamebox Dream Hunting Arcade game is stuck on an updating screen and wants me to press F1 or F2 or something like that. Does the keyboard hook up to this machine to press the needed button? Or, yeah, do I need to hook up a keyboard to this machine to press the needed button? I think is what she's saying. Okay. Paul here says, I'm having some issues with power supplies. You can't read voltages off the plugs coming out of the supply, and the fan does not turn on. Okay. okay. So I'd really appreciate some advice. Thanks. And then Cruz says, hey, so do you have a link or know where I can buy replacement player one and player two buttons for a Super Mario Brothers versus arcade system? So first one, Tammy has um, is getting an F1 or F2, needs to press the keyboard to get past. Paul says he's got power supplies, but they're not coming on. And then Cruz says, I've got... 
I've got a Super Mario Brothers Versus, and I need replacement player one and player two start buttons for that. So let's get to Tammy's real quick, Tim. Now, I did a little research on this game because okay. I'm not familiar with it. It looks like um, it's one of the only games Game Box, the manufacturer, put out. But it is very much like a big buck hunter. Okay. okay? So it is a PC-based cabinet. So with that in mind, what do you think Tammy needs to do in order to get her game working? Well, she definitely does need to hook up a... Uh, a keyboard to it sure. to the USB port and that but she probably is going it, there's something going on with it though uh, that's saying that you may have to go in the BIOS and reset some stuff or it may need to change a battery. Yeah, absolutely. That's usually what happens, Tim. A lot of mm-hmm. times when we get an F1, F2 message is that we, we uh, our battery has died and so all the settings that were there are gone now and so you may have to go into the BIOS reset those settings and change out the battery. Uh, Paul, his power supplies won't come on, Tim. He's hooking them up to the wall and everything. What's going on? Well, sometimes there's an actual power uh, a power switch on the power supply that you have to flip on and some of them will not come on unless you uh, jumper um there's some wires coming off of that, and you have to jump them right. to make it kick on. Yeah, you'll see these. Uh, you've seen the three button little connector, or the three the three pin connector on a lot of these ETX style mm-hmm. power supplies, Tim. That's so it hooks up a power switch to it. And right. so if you're sometimes you have to jumper those power switch connectors in order to in order to get it to come on, and that could be the case here. Okay, Tim, where can Cruz get the uh, player one, player two start buttons for his Mario versus? Well, anytime it's a Nintendo style game, we always recommend Mike's Arcade. He seems like he carries a great. Uh, supply of those kind of parts for those games. Now, and Tim, I did a little bit more research on this too. Now, if you need the volcano style buttons, which we see on the the side by side versus cabinets, uh-huh. there's a guy on eBay that sells those that you can get as well. But yeah, Tim's right. Nintendo stuff, Mike's Arcade can't beat it. So let's go ahead and throw this up real quick here, Tim. So Tammy, yes, you should be able to hook up a keyboard to the PC powering the game. Usually, pressing the corresponding key will bypass that screen. Um, usually comes up when the BIOS battery dies, so you might try replacing it and then saving your settings in the BIOS again, like Tim mentioned. Paul, look for a power switch on the power supply itself. On ATX-style power supplies, sometimes you need to jumper the power switch pins in order to get them to come on. And so that's very common. There'll be a three-pin connector or something like that that you'll need to jumper in order for them to come on. And so basically, you can't test those power supplies, Tim, unless... Unless you have that. And so mm-hmm. you may have to do some jumpering. Depending on the model power supply you're looking for, a good way to test it, Tim, is to put it in a game temporarily, right? Correct. So you could always do that. Check the power. Uh, don't hook up the board when you do that, but at least put it in the game temporarily. Check the power off of it and then pull it out when you're done. And then cruise, Mike'sArcade.com. Mike'sArcade.com. Great stuff for Nintendos. If you're looking for the Volcano-style buttons, try Chaser2015, hit the user on eBay, and we have links down below for both of those sites so you can get the buttons that you're looking for. Okay, Tim, anything else on any of those questions? I don't think so. Great. Okay, we're good. So, um, yep, lightning round, that's what YouTube <laughs> Punk says. And we are done with the lightning round, guys. So now we're going to move to all of Tim's travels. Okay. <laughs> so last month we had our first uh, Tim's Travels segment, and you went one place. Right. This month we got two places. Right. Next month we're going to get three places. <laughs> no, I don't know how long the segment's going to be. But, um, Tim, you, you said earlier in the show that you were in Florida. Yes. So you visited two places when you were there, correct? Yeah. Well, you know, I was in a lot of... I was north of Orlando, northwest, and Leesburg was my home base, I guess you could say. But I went and worked in a lot of little towns. And one of the, you know, one of the great things is kind of like finding pinballs in the wild kind of deal, you know, or whatever. Or just when I'm not... I was in Eustis, uh, Florida, 
and I was just kind of looking for something to eat for lunch. And I drove by and I said, did that shop, did that just say what I thought it said? And I saw this sign that said pinball restoration. Not just pinballs for sale, pinball restorations. And I thought that was cool, but then it had a sign that said open. Like you could come in. So I was, what I do? I went in. And, <laughs> and I met the guy, Joe, there and he was really nice. I kind of explained to him why I stopped and how cool I thought it was. And he was more than happy to show me around his shop. He sells games restored. Um, he likes to take, what he really likes to do are custom games. Uh, I think we'll have some pictures here in a minute where, you know, maybe the colors were, he'll take a, a Flash Gordon or something and make it totally different and uh, re pimps them out. He fixes them. They, when I walked in, they had three games. They had the tops up and they were soldering and working hard in there and it does all of his own repairs and stuff. And so, and Ben Denny also has uh, what looked like he could have parties and stuff there or you could go in and play some pinball. So it was just a cool stop all around. You can yeah, go let's, ahead and show let's, them let's pictures. Yeah, let's show the pictures real quick. So we have the storefront here and we have his uh, information, guys, in case you, you're in the area and you're looking for some pinball repair. You can obviously contact Joe, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. So um, we have his place there. We, we have his little car bumper. He has a little advertisement on that. And then you have a little flyer, it looks like, Tim, that you took a picture of as well. So pinball-restorations.com, right? Yeah, I think what he really likes to do is he likes to restore them and sell them, and then he services the ones that he sells. He doesn't always do a lot of repairs on the side, but he does service the games that he sells. So if you're looking for some, and guys, if you've got a Flash Gordon, you can see how it kind of has a modern uh, look to it. Yeah, uh, and stuff. Yeah, you so. can the side art really. You can see that custom side art there really well. Yeah, so he really likes to pimp them out. We w would say. Okay, so I'll, next slide here, Tim. So it looks like we got some newer Sterns in the first picture. I see a Star Wars. I see a Mandalorian. Mandalorian in there, was there. Star Trek. I can't tell what the one on the end is at the moment. But, yeah, um, I can't even remember, but because there were just pinballs everywhere, so he had a lot from different eras. So he does all the different repair. On a lot of different things. So. And I definitely see a Johnny Mnemonic in this middle yes, picture. Uh, an original right Flash Gordon, it looks like. Yeah. Right there. You, that's where, I think I took a picture of that so you can kind of compare the the custom one that he did. Right. And then uh, Independence Day, of course, Tim, you took a mm -hmm. picture of. And I can't tell what the two next to him are, um, just right offhand. These are lower resolution versions of the high resolution ones you sent me. Right. So, I mean, I'm just kind <laughs> of, just okay. to show people here on the screen. Um, and and then, then he also took me back to, you see, he's doing like a shuffle bowler. And um, there was a South Park, and then see he had a paint room, and he so it showed you the in depth part that he goes through and has a kind of a white room, a clean room where he can go in and look at that paint job, and then I just kind of peeking in other rooms where you can see where he just kind of has all kinds of parts and stuff in there. He let me take pictures of whatever I wanted to, so I was naturally nosy and took pictures. <laughs> that's right. I think that's all of them, Tim, for that okay. one. Let me make sure. Yeah, that is it. So, um, sounds like a cool place. I want to put his information back up here, Tim. So, um, overall, though, you like Joe? He seemed like a nice guy. Oh, super, super, super nice guy. And uh, the kind of guy that we would just hang out with every weekend if we could. And so, if you're in that area, or you know somebody, or he ships all over the United States, if you're looking... For a really high quality job done completely. Maybe you wanted a pinball game. You don't want to do a lot of work on it. You want one that's ready to go all the way. He will get them like that for you. And um, and he even had... Um, you know what's cool? Of course, I, I, I should have taken even more pictures. But I was enjoying talking to him so much. 
he puts these um, kind of looks like a window tint over the thing so the LEDs aren't too bright on the back glass and it really it, they just look fantastic it was a very very detailed kind of remind me of Pops the way he would do the inside um, when he opened them up they he had cleaned all the back it wasn't just a uh, you know an hour or two a quick job. This was some full everyone restoration. full restorations. These were very good, very good games. Awesome. Well, um, we did put a link down to his website in the show notes. So if you guys want to see um, our pinball restorations, excuse me, pinball restorations, you can go to their website, find out more about them, contact them. If you're in the area and you need a uh, YouTube punk, says is he hiring? Does he need an apprentice? You know, I mean, you could ask. I don't you know. know he had that. two. He had two workers there, and that's what I'm saying is. And he really likes pinball more than arcade. So if you're looking for your first arcade or an arcade, he might would trade out. There's a lot of work to be done around there. Mike would trade out something for something like that. There you go. Okay, so again, pinball-restorations.com, right? Tell yes. Me. So and make sure you look up Joe. Yeah, so. check out his site. Absolutely. Site. Now, you went to an arcade too, Tim, when you were in Florida, correct? Right. So also just after talking to Paul, you know, and I said – where would you recommend, like, where's the must-go? And uh, he said to go to Arcade Monsters. He had actually done a lot of work for them and stuff, So, and he knew the people that owned it and stuff. So I was just kind of, I wasn't too far from there, and it started raining. If you've ever been to Florida, you know it can be very pretty one minute and then just pour torrential hurricane-like winds and rain out of nowhere. And so I was really kind of looking for some place to pull over, and all of a sudden there it was. I saw it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, there it is!" So um, you can go ahead and bring some pictures up if yep. you want. I just kind of took some pictures all around. This was the outside, um, and they called that Alafia Square Arcade Monster. So you can see that from the road pretty good. So it didn't kind of look like a Denny's or something, <laughs> you know. And uh, but then you walk in, and I was blown away. That second picture. I like the staircase. You can see the Donkey Kong uh, theme going up the stairs. They had lights that went up it. So they have an up... Uh, when you first walk in to the left, is a bunch of pinball games. Um, lots of pinball games. And then this is kind of a middle room that goes upstairs. I thought the, the, the third picture right there on the right was kind of cool. That is going to the restroom. And you see how everything is kind of neon and glowing and kind of fun. Um, black light posters. Yeah, the right? black light posters. So you get in the uh, restroom, it was kind of really dark, but then when you go to use the restroom and a urinal, they, it lights up and stuff, and it was kind of cool. Um, of course, I don't want to take pictures in there, but that's outside of that. So I thought that that was also uh, just a kind of a neat, neat, neat decorations and stuff. You Absolutely. can kind of get a feel for those. But now we'll get to the games. And these are just games, not, not anything in particular. Um, some of them were, I just thought were kind of rare or something I hadn't seen in a while. But just a, you see all the driving games. That looks like Initial D's that are Initial networked. D's all networked. Um, what was that first one? I can't remember yeah, what that I, yeah, was. Yeah, I can't see what that was either. It, it was kind of a, um, yeah, they just cut. So they had a lot of these, um, foreign games that I really wasn't familiar with. And, and they had some DDRs and stuff. And, uh, but then, you know, they had, like, Guitar Hero and stuff that, you know, you just don't see these games on route much anymore. True. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Okay, you have some classics here. And so what was neat was in the mix of everything, you know, it was just there would be, like, that's a kitty game over to the left. 
uh, kind of a ticket redemption game. Next, there's a paper boy right next to it. Then you had a Donkey Kong, you know, and then you might have a Popeye just over in the corner. And it looks and like that's that, a Nintendo 64 uh, kiosk. It was a kiosk, and that's exactly what that was. I knew you would like yeah. that, so I tried to get a picture of that. Uh, Dragon's Lair was up there. And I was once again reminded how bad I am at that game. <laughs> you but you pay it. like 21 bucks, and all these games are on free play, and you just play all you wanted. Uh, let's see what else we got here. There you go. Okay. There, now, there's a whole row of classics yeah, there. Yeah, just we, kind of different classics. Um, there was uh, Marvel Madness and a Frogger, Pac-Man, Robotron, and what was the, what's those other two over there? They, uh, Zookeeper there some, and Yeah, Outrun. Zookeeper, I thought was, you know, yeah, you don't, don't see, see that every day. Zookeepers. And the Outrun, so... Just kind of mixed in there. Again, you can kind of see the walls are all decorated and fun. Uh, so I saw a lot of guys there my age. I saw teenagers that have never played these games before playing there. And then I saw a lot of kids. So and, Looks like uh, I've got two more pages of pictures here. I'll okay, go keep going with them. So um, there, here's some Bimani-style games, Tim. Yeah. Some drum. I've seen the one with the little pad I've seen at round one. Uh-huh. I forgot the name of it. Um, kind of like DDR-ish, but it has like an open, an open floor pad. See, they had a whole room that reminded me of just round one. Right. That's kind of what it was like, but it wasn't all like that. There right. was That was just that one room. And I just thought these were little, look at these little bitty cabinets. And they say Pac-Man. Those are arcade one-ups, Tim. Yeah, those so, are? Yes, those are arcade one-ups. They come fully assembled out of the box. Oh, okay. I did not did not recognize them, them, but they were they were kind of fun. And then he had, right in the, inside the door was a, a Fix-It Felix um, Junior. Junior that they had up there. I did play it a little bit. Now, pinball, like you said, they had a ton of pinball, including... The Toy Story 4. Right, so, which we'll talk about here in a second. Don't don't give us your impressions. we okay. got a new story first. Now, I see uh, Ghostbusters. I see Avengers here. Uh, let's see what else I see. I was just Monster impressed. Monster Bash, Medieval Madness, Attack from Mars. Now, they Tim, had the look- Elvira pin, the new one. Yeah. Now, those... Um, those look like the reproduced models of Monster Bash, Medieval Madness. Yes, Attack they models. were. So with the those look like the premium models with the color LCD. Yes, they were, and so that's why I'm like, there was a lot of money. Uh, in fact, I was joking with the girl uh, that worked up there. She was just kind of one of those. I work here. I don't really know much about games, but they pay me. Yes, and uh, and I'm kind of cute, you know. And she was just like. Um, I'm like, you have any idea what that game right there cost? And she was like, no, I have no idea. And I said, if I told you it cost more than a thousand dollars, would you be surprised? She goes, really, it's more than a thousand? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. Well, you got a lot more than ten, some of them are more than ten thousand. She's like, what? Toy Story 4 starts at twelve. Yeah. You and know, and so, it depends on which model right. you got. And so I was, anyway, she was just, she, then she was like, wow, really? I said, yeah, this is why. You guys really need to get the word out of all these cool games that y'all have. And so, um, that, there's some more pictures there, guys, for y'all to yeah, celebrate over. Yeah, I see over. Stranger Things, Jurassic Park, Batman, Star Wars. I was trying to think of what else I see here. Um, quite a few. Man, yeah. Quite a few, golly. Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Of course, so. you mentioned Avengers and stuff. So, yeah, I was playing all of them. They were all just... One after another. So you got to play the elusive Toy Story 4. I say elusive. The new, <laughs> brand new, right. recently released Toy Story 4. Now, Tim, that's where we're going next with our news stories here. Toy Story 4 released by Jersey Jack Pinball. And this is from Pinball News, Tim. Uh-huh. Toy Story 4 is a three-flippered standard-width game that comes in two versions. The limited edition for $12,000, like yeah. we mentioned. And a collector's edition for 15000 
Pat Lawler designed Playfield, uses a couple of familiar devices from his earlier games, such as the spinning disc reward and movable jump ramp, leading to an above Playfield shot. That's from No Good Gophers, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Then a big a ticket a collecting tickets feature from Roller Coaster Tycoon. The biggest item on the Playfield, however, is the 10-inch iPad-style display located at the back left. Yes. So, Tim... Um, it looks like you got to play. I think that's the limited edition you played. I think it was. And so what did you think of Toy Story 4 Pinball? You know, I was shocked to actually see it. Anyway, yeah. I walked in and nobody's playing it but me. I'm like, you know what? My turn. You know, <laughs> And I played it a lot. I probably played it more than 20 times. Wow. And, uh, in fact, I, I didn't want to brag. You know, I did get the high score today and got a picture of that. But I, I, didn't put, I, didn't, I didn't put I that didn't up there. I didn't put that up But anyway, uh, the cool Jersey Jack feature, you know, where takes your picture and puts up there and i had a pretty good game actually on a couple games so um it was was very fun to play slow or fast it was it has you know i would say it has moments of both there's times where you you feel like it has a little slow or people saying that it's slow i'm just curious and but but yeah but then there's times where it it seems to pick up and when you get multi-balls going it gets really to me and i'm not the world's best pinball player i just the average guy that likes pinball and uh i was having a blast with it i was having i felt like i could get a multi-ball pretty easily and it felt like a lot of fun to play so let's compare this to other jersey jack offerings compared to wizard of oz compared to guns and roses compared to pirates compared to dialed in yeah how do you feel Twelve thousand dollars now. Keep in mind, how yeah. do you feel it compares to those games? You know, just far as playability, it reminded me a lot of the first time I ever played Wizard of Oz. I just liked it off the bat. Uh, you know, some of those other games, I, I, I love all of his games, but some of them like took me a couple games to really get pretty good at, or you know, I didn't really get it. This one, I just popped in, jumped in, and played. And I think I might have got the third high score of the game the first time I ever played it. So I like games where it doesn't, it wasn't a lot of deep rules. It wasn't a lot of rocket science. It was just fun. Right. And so that's the way I would compare it. Um, it was a like lot that? like, um, the, it was a lot like Willy Wonka. Did you feel like the play field was too sparse? Because that has been something that's been talked about. Like there's not enough for what you're paying for the, yeah, I could see where people were, would say that, but when you get there and you're playing it, it didn't really, it didn't bother me at all. I liked a lot of the ramp shots and everything, and there was one shot up in the top that was pretty difficult for me to hit, and I'm, like I said, I'm not the best player, but that upper flipper was almost useless to me. Oh, wow. I just could not do anything with it. I would bounce, I would, I tried, tried, and tried, and I could not get a good shot with that flipper, and it, for me, uh, like I said, I know there are a lot better pinball players that know what to do and how to do it, but that was a little disappointing because if you're going to have a flipper up there, I've got to be able to do something with it. Otherwise, the, it's just diverting the ball from yeah. going down. The third flipper draining. seems to be something that Pat Lawler is a big fan of. I mean, right. if you think of Pat Lawler games, yeah. it seems like he always has a third flipper that does something. And um, I, love I have them. a Monopoly. Think about Adam's Family. Right. Think about some of these other games that he's designed. It seems like that's kind of one of his features. But usually that shot is very satisfying. So you're right. saying in this one, it's not as satisfying. It, to me, and it could have been some way the game was, I don't know. I just... I never, I got one shot, I think it's um, a little bow peep or whatever, it's a spinner up there and you hit it and the ball will, the ball gets caught, it doesn't get caught, it catches it up there and doesn't, then it shoots it back around and I was just, 
I could not. Now I hit it from the lower flipper a couple times. I think I hit it one time out of all the shots. I just could not get it. Most of the time, it just kind of hit it over to the side. I wouldn't. I tried everything. Tried to hit it at the end of the stroke, at the middle of the stroke. Begin. I tried everything. I just did not ever get a good shot feel for that. Now that's me personally, and I'm not the world's best pinball player. Somebody else could probably tear it up and love it. But to me, I like that third flipper when it. When it, when I can keep the ball up there, you know, those shots that you can just kind of keep hitting and keep right. the ball up there and keep it from down there where it's going to drain. Um, and I just, it just felt almost useless to me. I think about, um, high speed two to get away where you have the third flipper on the side that you can run around. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, like the, the little, uh, yeah. And when you there. get it down, you really can right. get it down. Exactly. I never could get that shot down and I don't know why. Uh, overall, do you think the 12K is a fair Ooh, price? That's a hard one because when you compare it to some of the other games that were there, yeah, I thought it was fun, but it's kind of like um, I used to tell people all the time, um, you know, every, some people like Ford, some people like Chevys. I've always liked Chevrolet better. I just don't like them fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 better. You know, there's like a, okay, yes, if you if you put that, and I would probably choose Stranger Things based on price alone. Right. You know, and because they're both really fun to play. So, um, nothing that's going to really just, now, if Toy Story was your favorite movie, you have, you know, you whatever, you have a huge collection or whatever, that's your thing, then sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe it is worth it. I don't know. It's all only worth what somebody's willing to pay. It does seem a little pricey for it, to, in my opinion. So, back just real quick to Arcade Monsters. Pinball Machines, they had a lot of newer ones. Condition yeah. was good on all of them? The condition was... I didn't have a problem with any of them. None of, they were all playing like brand new. Uh, they all looked brand new. There were None of them were dirty. There wasn't a smudge on the glass. I mean, it was fantastic shape. Those pinball games were... Whoever maintains those things. In fact... I did a review for them on Google, you can see, and I said that I really thought their games were well-maintained. But, you know, everything was working, even the Zookeeper and stuff. And there might have been a few games that were having an issue or whatever. But overall, the, somebody takes a lot of pride in those games. All right. Good place. Anybody who's an operator for any amount of time who's operated pinball machines will tell you how much work it is to keep them running. Mm. Um, it's cleaning every week. At yeah. least every week, making sure that they're clean, checking all of the, uh, checking the little, um, maintenance menus to make sure that no switches are open, all the switches are closed, all the lights are all working properly, there's a lot to it. And so any place that has good working pinball machines, you need to thank them. Mm-hmm. So, well, sounds good. I think that's a good review. So overall, like on a five star rating scale, Tim, what would you rank Toy Story? Probably a four. Okay, a solid, a solid, four. solid four. Okay. A solid four, not something that I want to sell three or four games and buy. But at the same time, I it, I definitely recommend playing it. It was fun. The more I played it, the more I liked it. And it was one of those. And like I said, Jersey Jack to me has a lot of those games. They're um, they get deeper and does it? They're a pickup and play friendly, but they but can, deep. But they yeah, deep. but I could just for if I would have paid a um, dollar a play, I still would have felt like I got my money's worth. And of course, I played it over twenty times. So, and it was $21 for all you could play. So, wow, you know, I probably played pinball for two hours. So, I definitely felt like I got my money's worth there. 
Yeah, so, and Tim, that's something I've noticed with Pat Lawler designs as a whole. Mm-hmm. And we know that Pat Lawler has designed, you know, several Jersey Jack games, Tim, especially mm-hmm. dialed in in this one. So, um, I love Pat Lawler designs, Tim, but you think about Adam's Family. And the first time right. we played Adam's Family and how easy it was to pick up and how deep that game is. Right. Um, I have a Monopoly, Tim. And Monopoly is great because it's an easy concept. You roll, right. you go around the Monopoly board, but the rules can get deep on that. Right. And so That's the kind of games I like. Right. You know, that, that, there's always room for improvement, but just the average player, that that may be the only to- time I played Toy Story this year, and I enjoyed it. Sounds good. Um, YouTube Punk, going back real quick, says, what would Tim rate arcade monsters on sca- on a on a one to five star scale? Oh, well, that, they're a five by far. Wow. It, they're a ten on a scale of five. Wow. <laughs> the, I mean, for the value, for the amount of games, um, friendliness of staff, going down cleanliness of the place overall... Um, even their food looked okay, and they did, they did have a bar in case you drink. They had like margaritas and stuff, so it was a kid friendly place, but also that adults would enjoy. And, uh, kids were having a blast, but I saw a lot of parents and friends, so, you know, you figure you could take your whole family for a hundred dollars. That's a bit, not too bad a deal these days. Absolutely. Sounds good. Well, I think we'll leave it there, Tim, as far as the, uh, as far as the Toy Story 4 and Arcade Monsters kind of combination, uh, discussion goes. So if you guys want to hear more about that though, you can ask Tim and he'd be happy to tell you sure. a little bit more about that. Read his review on Google, right? Right. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Tim, we have, uh, we had somebody in here, a tribe called cookies4.com. Uh, he says, let's see, I'm going to go up here a little bit. I shall be calling you soon for parts. I picked up a sit-down arcade unit that has an emulator of sort, and the monitor won't turn on. So here's the deal. We don't sell parts, right. but we have several places we recommend that you can buy parts from. If you go to arcaderepairtips.com slash resources and look under our parts, arcade parts supplier heading, you'll see all the places that we recommend, but just offhand, arcadepartsandrepair.com. Uh, let's see, arcadeshop.com, twistedquarter.com, any of those good suppliers. The Real Bob Roberts is still shipping out stuff too, yeah. we should mention. So the realbobroberts.net as well is another place. So, so if you're looking for parts, those are the places to go there. A tribe called cookies4.com. So okay. <laughs> there we go. Uh, let's see. I think we're caught up. Okay. So let's continue on with some of the news that we have from this previous month, Tim. And we found out a secret. Now how long has Final Fight been out now? I mean, it came uh, out in the early 90s. Right, so they found a secret, Tim, and apparently, as we know, Final Fight is a two-button game, Tim. It just right. has punch, punch, attack, and or an attack button and a jump button. Um, so through the arcade ROM, though the arcade ROM contains a placeholder for a seemingly unused third button, okay. this button, designed for developer usage only, lets the player break free of the enemy's grabs by pressing up and the third button. Ah. So when an enemy grabs you, you can actually get out of it if you have a third button wired up and you press up in that third button. So that would dodge the energy-sapping chokehold of a door or the brutal tombstone as well, pile driver that he does. Mm-hmm. So given that the dedicated cabinet only had two buttons, this escape was impossible for quarter-dropping kids in the arcade. Wow. Now this grab release feature was also incorporated into many home releases by pressing up an attack instead. Okay. But here's the thing. Game's been out for like 30 years <laughs> now, Tim. We just found this wow. out. One of the developers apparently talked about it. But yeah, so if you had a third button wired up for Final Fight, you could press up in that third button to release the enemy holds. So, oh, which would save you a lot of life in the, in, going through the game. Sure. So, 
Yeah, because once he grabs you, you're going. Yeah, you're he's going to do something. He's going to um, he's going to do something right. tough to you. So absolutely, but yeah, that's something to keep in mind there. Um, and it's it's just interesting, Tim, because like there's no final fight that has a third button wired up. That's crazy, you know. But it yeah. was there. It was there. So mm-hmm. just something I found interesting. Thought you guys might too. Uh, next, Tim, we know that Atari is celebrating a big milestone, which we'll talk about here in a second, but they're going to release a game called Atari Mania, which is kind of like WarioWare with uh, iconic Atari classics. And Tim, this is from Digital Trends. Inspired by Nintendo's WarioWare series, Atari Mania remixes iconic Atari titles and turns them into bite-sized objectives that must be completed in a few seconds. Classic titles like Pong, Centipede, and more will appear in the title which contains over 200 mini-games. Wow. Atari Mania contains a storyline that links the mini-games together. In between games, players can explore the Atari vault, solving puzzles, and discovering Easter eggs. Tim, I think this is a great way for people to experience these games with just a piece of the game. You're mm-hmm. Not necessarily the whole thing. But Tim, you know, the thing is, is like a lot of people start playing like an old Atari game and they only play for five or ten minutes anyway. Right. It's like, why not just serve it up in bite-sized chunks that kind of give you an idea of what the game was like. And if you want more, you can go back and play those. It's a great idea, and plus having kind of a story to round it out I think will be very popular with people. So looking forward to uh, seeing Atari Mania very soon on different platforms. So, And then, Tim, we mentioned this big milestone for Atari, 50 years old, and it says today. This was on June 27th. Wow. June 27th, the 50th anniversary of Atari and video, video games, Tim, basically. So, the Atari brand celebrates its 50th anniversary, although the current company that owns the Atari brand name has only done so since 2001. The original Atari Inc. was founded on June 27, 1972 by Nolan Bushnell and Ted Dabney. The Atari brand is an iconic part of the history of video games, and without it, we may never even, we may have never even had a video game industry in the first place. The brand will always be associated with several iconic arcade games that laid the groundwork for today's hobby. Not only Pong, but Breakout, Asteroid, Centipede, Missile Command, Tempest. Tim, is there anything else you want to add to that list? Oh, gosh. Pole I'll, Position. I'll, yeah, Pole Position. Uh, even games like Kangaroo and stuff, I think, are fun games. You yeah. Know, so, uh, But Atari, definitely, uh, where would we be today without that? You know, without... Yeah. And uh, never got a I, tat- tattoo, but if I get one, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the little Atari <laughs> Icarus thing? Yeah, I think so. There you go. So... Anyway, so really, really great stuff, guys. Um, just 50 years. It's hard to believe, Tim. Hard to believe. So, uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of great memories associated with Atari, Tim. I know you've talked a lot about your experience with the 2600 and getting one and everything mm-hmm. like that. Outside of just the arcade stuff, obviously playing the arcade games and, uh, in arcades and things like that. So, I Right. Mean, Think of asteroids and, uh, you know, just all those times it was, Lots of lots of time being on big, the twenty six hundred. I'm a big Crystal those. Castles fan. I love Crystal Castles. It's one of my favorites, Tim. I was trying to think of what else we got. Uh, man, you so mentioned many, Missile Command, didn't mi- you? Yeah, yeah, Millipede. Um, golly, so many great Atari games. Right. So many and good pinball games too. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. some some pinball games in there too. So mm-hmm. there you go. But uh, good, uh, you know, just congratulations to Atari, Tim. Looking forward. They're coming out with a big uh, celebration compilation of games, Tim, for the 50th anniversary. That will also be available on di- on several platforms. So wish Atari the best going forward, Tim. I know um, sure. I know. with the, the new VCS, Tim, a lot of people have been down on the Atari name and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe it can make a little bit of a comeback. You know, I'm not so. saying it'll ever get like, uh, it'll never probably get back to where it was. But I think we will see a little bit of a comeback soon. So... Okay. 
Uh, well, I think that wraps it up for all the stuff I had on the outline, Tim. We did get a question from Robert here. You guys mentioned some foreign games. Have you ever heard of the company uh, Zachariah? It is Italian. I am repairing a cocktail that is a Quasar. Um, yeah, we've actually heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, not not that we've seen a lot of them, but we've seen them before at like uh, shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, although um, we never we never really worked on them because they're kind of rare, obviously over here. But um, that's that's one of the ones we've definitely seen before the show. It yep. seems like I recall playing it. So uh, very cool stuff. Um, so oh, um, Glenn Richard says Tetris on the Atari side. We heard about go. that too. Yes, the Atari Tetris was one of the best in the arcade for sure. So. Well, Tim, I think we're all the way caught up, so I think um, I think that we can. Oh, Cold Flames and Flesh says the model is a um, it is a ninety two hundred Tim, and he could not find the switch. Uh, it is in the manual. Um, I'll send if you want me send me an email saying that you're looking for that switch on the D ninety two hundred, and we can find it for you. Uh, there, I think that one does have a switch, or may have a different place for like the input or yoke wires. So let me double check that and see. But I can't think of it offhand, Tim. Do you know offhand? Oh, I think the D ninety two hundred moves the yoke wires. You think, or moves the input or yoke one or the other? I've seen that so. on both. So okay, we will look at the. We'll find. We'll find out. Send us an email at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We'll send you back the manual that shows where it is. So okay, it's been about ten years. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, let me go ahead and put this up here, Tim. Uh, sure. Go ahead and kind of we'll sign off here for the regular live show. Just a reminder, guys, we want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your arcade-related YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos of 10 minutes or less about arcade-related topics. Send a link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If, we'll, if we like it, Tim, we'll use it at, like during our, one of our live show episodes. A lot of you guys have seen that. Mm-hmm. We play videos sometimes before the show starts during the countdown, and so if you would like your video featured there, send it to us at questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and we, if we like it, we'll, uh, we'll use it there. Make sure to put a plug in for your channel so people know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions as always. And then, Tim, we also want to remind people of how to contact us. We have our general email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Make sure you put live show in the subject to get it mentioned on the show. Again, questions at arcaderepairtips.com. You guys can send them there. We have our YouTube page. Of course, if you're watching this live or watching the video archive of this, Tim, you know where that is. But for those of you guys who are listening on the audio feed, that's at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And we try to cover comments from the last live show on the next episodes. So if you have a question between now and the next live show, you can leave your comment down below or your question down below or send it to us via email and we will try to cover those on the next live show episode. Again, our email, questions at arcaderepairtips.com, our YouTube page, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And then Tim, we have our podcast feed with live shows, interviews, question and answer podcasts, and all sorts of other content. And, and Tim, we mentioned at the top of the show that we did an interviews podcast with Paul Jure. Right. If you guys want to go back and listen to that, make sure you check out our podcast feed. You can find that at on iTunes at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com. You can find it on Spotify at Spotify.ArcadeRepairTips.com and on Stitcher Radio at Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com. You can also search for Arcade Repair wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Um, if you guys are iTunes users, make sure you leave us a good review. We'd love to hear your feedback, especially if it's good. If there's suggestions that you have for us, of course, you can always email us and let us know what those are. But again, if you want to check out our podcast feed, that's going to be iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com for iTunes. Spotify.arcaderepairtips.com for Spotify and Stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com for Stitcher. 
And then we have our social media pages. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. And as always, Tim, we want to thank Mark, uh, one of our community contributors, for all of the great posts that he puts up there. I also post stuff. Tim posts stuff. If we find anything that's interesting to you, we try to post it there. So again, that's facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. If you would rather follow us on Twitter, you can do that as well. That's twitter at arcaderepairtips.com or twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. And you can also send your questions in there. Tim, one of the questions from this outline, in fact, came from our Twitter feed. Cool. So um, you guys can send question, questions in there if they're, I think, 240 characters or less. That's twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. You don't have to follow us on both Facebook and Twitter. We'd love it if you did that. But the, the information gets cross-posted. So anything on the Facebook page gets cross-posted to Twitter. And we try to do it vice versa as well. So, um, Tim... One thing I should mention is uh, Amazon has a big holiday coming up called Prime Day, as you guys know. We will be trying to post the best arcade and video game-related deals that we find during Prime Day. So if you guys are looking for a certain video game or arcade-related thing, then uh, we'll try to be posting deals on on our social media pages this month when that comes up. So make sure that you follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get those updates. Tim, is there anything else you want to say before we move out of the live show and into the after show. No, just thank everybody for watching and for being a part and taking a part in the live chat. Uh, we got some new people here tonight, I've noticed, so thank you for being here. Maybe it's your first time. Hope that you'll come back again sometime. Absolutely, yeah. So we always want to thank the live show um, contributors here, Tim, in the live chat. Thank you guys so much. Makes the show so much more interesting when we have a good live chat. And so we want to thank you guys for being here, interacting with the show. Uh, it's just so much fun to have you guys here. We always appreciate you. Guys, we're always here on the first Thursday night of every month, as long as you know me and Tim are both alive and so you know, or don't have anything else to do. And so, Tim, it looks like the next time will be August 4th. Okay. And so uh, we'll look forward to... To seeing you guys on the August 4th episode. Now, that's if your exit ramp's here. We also have the after show that takes place directly after this show. And Tim, the only difference between the after show and the regular live show is that any topic goes on the after show. So Tim, any um, anything that you want to tease going into the after show? I have really watched a, a show that, uh, you know, very few shows... I like a lot of stuff, but one really blew me away, and we'll talk about it in the after show. If you like, um, if you're kind of like an M Night Shyamalan fan, or you like twist or suspense, I got a show for you. There you go. Um, I'll also be talking about three different movies that I watched over the past okay. month, Tim. I was in bed with COVID, so I had some time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't usually get to watch um, movies, but I'll be talking about three. Um, all three of them I really liked. Oh, good. Three different platforms, too. So it doesn't matter where you're subscribing right now. I'll find a movie for you, I promise. So we'll be talking about it in the after show. Now, just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this on the audio feed, Tim, the after show does not get posted to the audio feed. So make sure that you fast forward. You go to the YouTube video for this episode 65. You fast forward to the end and find the after show if you want to listen to the after show content. Well, Tim, I think we're going to wrap it up there. If, again, guys, we want to thank you guys for watching. And if this is your off-ramp, We hope to see you back here on the first Thursday night of August, which will be August 4th, and and hope you have a wonderful month. If you have anything anything that you want to contact us about up until that point, questions at ArcadeRepairTips.com. But, Tim, here we go. I think here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you play the game. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next month, or we'll see you here in just a minute for the after show.
thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.